0: Welcome to Immigrants Journeys. Imagine leaving your home country to settle in a foreign land. What would that feel like? How would you make the transition, and how might that experience change you? I'm your host, Santiago. Being the son of immigrants presented me with some challenges, but also gave me incredible perspective. In this podcast, people from all over the world share their stories and opinions related to their immigrant journeys. Listen to find out what challenges they overcame and how they made the transition. To learn more about this podcast, visit www.immigrantsjourneys.fm. In this episode, Maria leaves Italy at 18 months with her parents and siblings to settle in the United States for more opportunity. Hear her story about growing up in the United States, interactions with her immigrant parents, her career, and what, from her heritage, she imparts onto her children. Let's listen to Maria's immigrant journey. Welcome, Maria.
1: Hi, Santiago. Thank you for
0: having me. Thank you so much for joining. You are originally from Italy. Is that right? Yes. What's the best way of saying hello in Italian? I guess it depends
1: on who you're talking to. Most people say ciao, which you can say hello and goodbye. It means the same thing. Salve is kind of more informal. Or if you want to be more formal, buongiorno, you know, just maybe passing somebody on the street.
0: Then I'll say salve, Maria.
1: Salve, Santiago. Almost die, almost die. Yes. <laughs> still, Ben. Still, Ben. Yeah, it's very close to Spanish. Yeah. How old were you when you came to the United States? I was a year and a half, eighteen months old, when we came to the U.S. I don't honestly remember coming here, but I feel like all the stories that my mom told me almost gave me like a false memory of what it was like in those first months or first year when we came. My brother was 11, my sister was 7, and my mother was pregnant with my brother, so he was born here shortly after we were
0: here. I know exactly what you mean about having those memories. As you know, my family's from Cuba, and I grew up with the stories of what it was like in Cuba back in the day, if you will. Yeah. And did you feel growing up that you were Italian? Did you feel that you were American? Tell me about that. Definitely, when I was younger, I definitely felt different. I felt Italian.
1: People knew my parents were not American. A lot of people thought they were Spanish, which is kind of funny. As a child and a teenager, I definitely felt like I'm Italian. Um, We were raised in a very Italian household. As I got older, and actually when we visited relatives, it's sort of like the American relatives are here. It was an, an interesting divergence. It was sort of like I felt Italian, but then when I was with Italian relatives, they treated us like we were American. In some ways, I almost felt like it didn't have a place. I don't know if that computes with you, but not really Italian, but not really American.
0: Yeah, it definitely makes a lot of sense to me. I felt the same way at school. Everything was in English. And then I would come home, everything was in Spanish, different right. different music, different culture, different expectations. When I left the house, it felt like I was living in a different country almost. Was that similar to what you felt?
1: Yeah, in a lot of respects, especially when I was younger. And the interesting thing, though, is that my parents didn't make us speak Italian. When I left Italy, even though I was 18 months old, I, I had a lot of words. I was speaking in part to full sentences, and I was speaking Italian. We were sponsored by my mother's sister and her husband. My uncle did not speak Italian. And subsequently, their kids didn't speak Italian either. When we got here, my mom said I locked away in a room with my oldest female cousin. And like a month later, I was speaking English. She never really forced me to speak Italian. I would speak English and they would speak Italian to us. I always understood it, but I actually didn't use it as a child. Yeah, definitely the, f- the expectations, just the sense of family and responsibility, obligation. Um, yeah, that was all very Italian, very Italian.
0: Young immigrant children like Maria and children of immigrant parents like myself typically grow up around other languages. Some parents choose to encourage their children to learn that language while others focus on English at home. Maria's parents didn't force her to learn Italian and I wondered if she regretted that.
1: Um. Well, yeah, definitely. When I went to college, I actually studied Italian because I wanted to be able to speak it. I did say to our parents, my younger brother and I, why didn't you make us speak Italian? I think my mom was just so overwhelmed with being in this country and being, being away from most of her family. My parents did not speak English when we moved here and it took them quite a while to learn. What's kind of interesting is that my older brother would have to translate sometimes, would have to translate when we would say things to my mom or my dad, because they didn't understand what we were saying. Which is kind of sad, actually. Funny, but sad. Kind of poignant. So I did study Italian in college, and it was like going home. It just felt so natural to speak it.
0: Did you feel that you were reconnecting with your family, almost like a nostalgia, by diving into the language?
1: Oh, most definitely. It was in my brain. I
0: just wasn't accessing it. but.
1: Yeah, definitely. It was, it was really, um, gratifying to be able to speak it. Cause to me, it's so strange that I understood, but I couldn't speak. It was an odd sense. So I was really happy when I was able to speak it. My brother and I commuted together for a while going to school. So we would speak in the car, strictly Italian. It was good practice. I don't know about you, but for me, though, it's so easy to go back into English when you can't quite find the words you want or express yourself. So I would try to speak Italian with my parents, mostly. My husband and my sibling spouses, they don't speak Italian. So, you know, it's kind of hard to carry that on because you don't want to leave people out either.
0: Right. So... When you learned Italian and you kind of came back and your family and you were like, hey, guess what? I can speak now. You said you grew up speaking to them in English and then all of a sudden you start throwing some Italian vocabulary out there. What was their reaction?
1: Honestly, they didn't really have much of a reaction. I mean, it just seemed natural. They knew I was studying it and we would speak together when I was with them. So it seemed very natural. They didn't make a big deal about it.
0: My experience was a little bit different. I didn't have that translation uh, resource growing up because my brother and sister were a lot older than I. I had to speak Spanish. The difference was that I didn't learn how to speak Spanish properly, right? So I grew up speaking very colloquial with an accent and bad grammar. And I remember when I got together with the rest of my family, you know, family reunions and things, the older cousins they would tease me and they would make fun of me and they're like, Man, your Spanish sucks. Right. And I remember I was about thirteen and I went to my grandmother and my parents and I said, Listen, I really want to learn how to speak properly. So please correct me. And they just kind of looked at me like, You're gonna hate this. Your life is gonna be miserable. <laughs> and I said, No, I really, really want it. It was hard. And they would yeah. correct me, especially my sister. She was like the grammar queen, right? (laughs) it got to the point where I was like, oh my goodness, crash course. But in less than a year, I really picked it up.
1: When I studied, I'm going to say not proper Italian, but the traditional Italian language, when I would speak to them that way, they would speak to me. I did the same thing. I'm like, please correct me and things like that. It was so natural for me to learn it. And I became proficient extremely quickly. It was a very fast process. Going back to speaking in colloquial languages, my parents spoke in dialect. And I actually cannot speak in dialect. I understand it. When we went to visit many years ago, we did like a crash tour in two weeks, visiting everybody all over Italy. And we were with my father's brother's family, my uncle. And they were living in Prato, which is outside of Florence. And they were talking, and I'm like, what are these words? They said, hausa, which sounds very German. And they're like, oh, well, that means, casa means house. And it's just interesting to see how the dialects are influenced depending on the region. There's Germanic influence, and in the southern part, there's Greek and Spanish, and really, really fascinating because they really are quite distinct languages. I I can't really speak any dialects, but I understand my parents' dialect, like I said earlier.
0: It is neat to hear you say that. Similar experience I had when I was learning German. I wanted to learn German because my brother had married a German and at his wedding in Germany, you know, my family's from Cuba. My sister-in-law's family is from Germany and she's German. And so, I remember during the dinner, everything had to go from like jokes, for example, I had to go from German to English to Spanish. And then the reaction had to go yeah from Spanish to English to German. I remember looking at this and going like, I want to speak to my new family, right? So I ended up getting a degree in German. And, you know, I was so happy. I was in some study abroad. And was there around the Christmas time? And they're like, hey, why don't you just come to our house? So I I traveled across Germany to to go to their house for Christmas. And I'm sitting there like with my chest puffed out, like, yay, you know, after a few years, (laughs) I can speak German to my family. And I walk in there and they're all speaking dialect. And I have no idea what they're saying. (laughs) (laughs) Completely different languages.
1: It's amazing. It's amazing.
0: Yeah. Tell me a little bit about... Culture. You might have to borrow from your parents' perspective, I don't know, but maybe from the lens of if you were growing up and you really identified as Italian, from that lens, what could you say was really kind of different in American culture growing up? Like, what kind of struck you as, I would say, culture shock? For me, it was the way my parents interacted with
1: us in the home and outside of the home. Very different than American parents. I remember being so embarrassed. We lived in an apartment and we had a balcony and facing our balcony was the community pool and there was playground and areas. And my mother would, well, I guess this isn't really culture shock, but this is maybe shocking for other people She would stand on the balcony and call us from far away. I guess it's just things they would do in Italy. And nobody else's parents were doing that. And, you know, it was mortifying.
0: I know exactly what you mean. And it must be a Latin thing, Mediterranean thing. I don't
1: know. (laughs) It's Like, oh, my God, could you embarrass me anymore? I know.
0: It is definitely not a suburban American custom to stand on the porch and yell, you know, Johnny, come home, repeatedly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And the fact that her voice could travel that far was just
1: amazing. But as far as culture shock, us coming to this country, because I was so young, I don't know that it impacted me and my younger brother as much, but my older brother was 10 years older and my sister was six years older. So for them, going to school was really difficult. I think coming here for my siblings and just being treated like you're stupid because you don't speak the language. My older brother was really good in math, but they would put him in like dumbed down classes because he couldn't speak the language. And just the bullying that goes on in that age, like middle school age, um, just being different, speaking a different language, I think that was really difficult for them. And for my parents, just everything was a culture shock because I think everything was so different for them. Going to a country and not knowing the language is is really problematic. I think my parents ended up depending on us for a lot of stuff, just to help navigate the language barriers, the culture. i still Everything was just shocking. It was just so different for them. My parents, they wanted to come to the US. They did all the paperwork. And then it took a really long time for my family to get our green cards, like six years. My parents actually put in the paperwork before I was even born, before they were thinking of having me. And she actually thought they weren't going to come. So that's why they decide to have their child.
0: When someone learns how to speak a different language, sometimes their mother tongue bleeds over, resulting in an accent. I have found that people vary in their degree of accents and their ability to understand those who have accents.
1: It was quite amazing to me, even after my parents being here for so, so many years, and they always had a heavy accent, but people could
0: never understand them when they spoke, which always shocked me because I'm like
1: it's very clear to me what
0: they're saying. That's something I wanted to, to ask your opinion on. What is your perspective of that? You don't have an accent. You pretty much were raised in the United States. Yeah, which is kind of funny, though. So many people have said to me,
1: you have an accent. Where are you?
0: For-? Oh, really? Which, yes. Maybe. People have
1: asked me, oh, it's just amazing. I'm like, what, what accent do I have? I don't know actually neither do my older siblings, but my parents very heavy. I think when you've been exposed to other languages, you have n- pretty much no issue understanding people from other countries when they have an accent. At least that's what I found for most for the most part. I I've generally understand people, but I think when you haven't been exposed to anything but English, it's just so foreign. <laughs> it's so foreign to you. I think a lot of people just Maybe don't take the time to really listen. Um, They're like, oh, well, they have an accent. I don't know what they're going to say. You know, so.
0: Right. Do you think that your parents or other family members that had an accent or have an accent, were they self-conscious about it?
1: Not later on. I didn't notice that. But I think it probably was a barrier. You know, if you feel like people are dismissing you or not understanding you, I think it can be quite frustrating, but they had no choice. That's the thing. My dad learned English faster than my mom because he was working, but my mom, she learned initially a lot of her English from TV. She would stay up after everybody was in bed and watch TV and try to learn. And they did take some classes for a while. I remember as a kid, she had a woman come and try to help her with English. And then they took a class or two through the county, but their accents were pretty heavy, you know? (laughs) And then that never changed.
0: I asked Maria about her experience with accents in the workplace.
1: My first job out of college, we had a lot of visiting scientists all over the world. And usually no problem, but some, like, what are they saying? And I'm like looking at them thinking, you don't understand what they're saying. You know, why not? I don't understand that. But I'm not going to lie. There are some accents that I find very hard to understand. I remember being at a party with some friends, and this gentleman was from Scotland. And honestly, I had no idea what he said the whole night. But other than that, I'm usually pretty good. That's hilarious. I'm usually pretty good.
0: Yeah, I think you you hit on something. If you've been exposed, I think your ear gets trained. Two things come to my mind. One is fuzzy logic. Like you said, oh, that's haza. That sounds German, but it's also kind of like kaza. And so you kind of have that leap. In your brain, when you hear it and you go, okay, it's similar. I guess that's just kind of how your brain works. It can mm. jump. It can kind of have almost a suspension of disbelief where it's like, okay, yeah. I know they said haza, but it really means casa, right? Learning language is fascinating, I think. And just the
1: capacity of a child to learn language and you build those networks of listening to different sounds. So, yeah, I think you're able to put two and two together
0: and understand what somebody's saying for the most part. You mentioned that your husband is not from Italy. What part of your Italian heritage, background, culture, or language do you retain in your family today? And we have two
1: teenage daughters. When they were babies, I wanted to teach them Italian, but my husband doesn't speak Italian, so we would not speak Italian together. So when they were born, it was very artificial. I don't know how to describe it. It was very strange for me to speak to them as babies in Italian, but I had no problem speaking with my brothers or my parents or any relatives in Italian. It's kind of an interesting phenomenon. I don't understand why it was difficult for me, but I did buy, which were very difficult to find. I did buy some children's books in Italian So when they were little, I would read to them and I would ask my parents to speak to them in in Italian. But again, it was very strange. My mother wouldn't, they didn't. Because I think it was, I don't know, it's an interesting thing. Um, Although my kids were around my parents a lot, so they did hear a lot of Italian. They heard me speaking Italian with them. My older daughter, Isabella, she's 19. She knows some words and she's actually studying Italian now. So that'll be really lovely because we can try to speak together i wish i would have made more effort to try to teach them it just i don't know it it was it was an odd experience
0: yeah it's kind of forced it wasn't like a natural thing yeah i I can relate to that I, i do speak spanish to my kids not exclusively i do have some friends that exclusively speak a foreign language to their kids and then they're like ah, they'll learn english you know at school Kind of the way I was raised. At first, I talked to my wife about it because she doesn't speak Spanish, but she understands a lot of Spanish. I talked to her and I was like, hey, you know, I really want the kids to learn Spanish. And she, she was very supportive of it. She knows just as much, if not more, Spanish than my kids because I'm constantly, you know how it is with kids, you repeat yeah. and repeat and yeah. repeat. <laughs> right. So my wife... She's learning too. Yeah. So my wife knows things like, brush your teeth, get the shoes up from <laughs> under the sofa, you know. First <laughs> Not not exactly like survival business Spanish, but... Yeah. no, Just normal daily type of things. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned working with people from all over the world. How has this experience of being raised in a different culture with a different language, how has that helped you in that context, in the business world, when you're meeting people from other places?
1: I think... A lot of times it gives you a sense of commonality. I think you can connect maybe on another level. It's that sense of commonality that you are from another place and maybe you share certain values. I feel like a lot of people that I've met from other places, the sense of family is so much stronger than in, I'm I'm generalizing here, but than families in the U.S. And there may be some very tight-knit families, but just in general speaking, a sense of responsibility, obligation, being together. At least that's what I experienced growing up. I, a lot of my friends, I think I was saying this to you the other day, a lot of my friends were either immigrants or first generation. So you you bond over that. Fami- it's a familia- a Familiarity that you have right. before you even really get to know each other as people. So
0: I agree with you with there's a sense of family and even I guess an appreciation for oh that's how you do it there and, and respect for that. Right. Because yeah. yeah I think we're we're probably more sensitive to it where it's like, hey, you know, this is how we do it in this country. And so when you meet someone from yet another country, you get it. Like yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I kind of almost feel like if you've had that exposure, you're even a little bit more forgiving, right, for potential faux pas. You know, if someone. Oh,
1: sure, most definitely, and also I think more patient to listen to somebody. Like going back to what I was saying, like I feel like people don't take the time to try to listen. You know, oh, I you, you have an accent, I can't understand you. Let me see if I can find somebody that speaks your language. I think being patient. And yeah, more forgiving over mistakes and things.
0: Many of us have experienced some form of Italian food. But I was curious if there were any specific Italian foods that were close to Maria's heart.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's even more poignant now that my mom passed a couple years ago. We would eat meat and fish and seafood, you know, very Mediterranean diet, but simple. You know, red sauce. We didn't eat a ton of dairy. I mean, just like very simple Southern Italian dishes, some cheese, but not the Alfredo sauces and all that. I love something called gnocchi, (laughs) they're potato dumplings and they're a pain in the butt to make. Like my mom grew up making her own bread, their own pasta. In the U.S. she'd buy pasta, she wasn't making it, but she used to make her own bread initially. But gnocchi she always made. There were certain things like ravioli, gnocchi, Tortellini w- was always homemade. I don't know why. I think it's because we only got them once a year. But gnocchi
2: <laughs> were my
1: favorite. I was always excited when she'd make it, and it's really time-consuming. So when I got married and moved out, and she would like call me every week. She's like, Maria, this weekend I'm making gnocchi. Are you going to And she would bribe you. Exactly. I'm like, yeah, I'm there. So, I think I'm nostalgic for that because I made it with her a couple of times, but honestly, I don't think that I could make it on my own. So, I, I'm nostalgic for those things that she would make, you know, homemade pizza. And I mean, we can make our own homemade pizza, but the way she made it, and, you know, stuff like that. And during the holidays, there were these cookies that she always made called guanti, and they were just basically f- uh, fried dough with uh, sugar and cinnamon. And I think a lot of cultures have that kind of cookie. That was something that she always made at Christmas. Mm. And so we haven't had it the last couple of Christmases. And that's something that I, I would like to start doing again, because that's a nostalgic thing for me. You know, you're supposed to have them at Christmas. So
0: do you have any recipes you could share, like either for gnocchi or for, is it guanti? No, I don't. See, that's the thing.
1: My mom did not have recipes. She was happy to cook. She did not like us in the kitchen with her cooking because it took too much time. She didn't have the time to let us help her because it wasn't really helping her. So we didn't learn to cook growing up. But when I got married, my husband and I, we went over and she made sauce with us. I'm a molecular biologist by training. And so as a scientist, I wanna write down like, okay, exactly how much are you adding? What exactly are you doing? She's just making it from memory.
0: So there are really no recipes. It's funny in hearing you describe your mother, it's almost like my mother. And I had this visual of just seeing like your mother in the kitchen running around from place to place and there's flying in the air and she's throwing stuff in a pot. That's kind of how my mother cooked. I remember thinking, I've got to document some of this stuff, right? I want to yeah. preserve this. And one time I was like, all right, I'm going to videotape my mother cooking one of my favorite dishes. So I show up there with the video camera and she had made it. What? She didn't have time for you to be videotaping. <laughs> well, sure. like she didn't get it. And she's like, How'd I you thought up, you right? wanted to have lunch. And so I made you this dish. So I was like, oh, fine. Take two. Right. So another day, another week <laughs> goes hilarious. by. And I'm like, okay, you didn't make it, right? No, you didn't make it, right? Don't make it tomorrow. I'm coming tomorrow. And uh, I finally get there. She didn't make it. And it's almost the exact, but she's she's got nothing. And she's like, okay, told me not to do anything. So what do you want? And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to videotape you. She's like, now? And I was like, yeah, cook. She's like, okay. So then she starts grabbing stuff from the refrigerator. Stuff is flying all over the place. And I was like, Like you, I'm like, stop. What is that? Exactly. She's throwing spices into this pot. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm adding the spices. I was like, what are the spices? She's like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Exactly. You know, Santiago, it's like muscle memory. They don't even think about it. They've been cooking for so long that they're just doing their thing. And then it's just muscle memory. Okay. So for the Guanti, I have some things written down. but. You have to knead the dough. And I'm not that good at kneading dough. This is not something I'm practiced at. My mother did it her whole life. Even as a, a senior citizen, she, she needed a hell of a lot better than I did. The thing about the internet is that you can pretty much find any recipe. But is it going to
0: really be the same? I don't know. There's certain Cuban dishes that I make at home. Like my son's favorite dish is picadillo. And I do try to get my kids into the kitchen as much as possible. I understand where your mom was coming from because, you know, when you're on a time crunch and you've got a schedule and you've got to do this and Mm -hmm. you got to cook and the kids are like, oh, can I crack the egg? And you're like, oh, well, there goes (laughs) 10 minutes, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Especially because for my mom,
1: like she was doing everything. It's like my dad was in the kitchen washing the dishes after dinner or clean. You know what I mean? Like it was, she was very much the one that took care of everything. So yeah, Yeah. I I definitely get it. But I mean, there are dishes that I cook. They're just simple things, you know, like an aglio pasta my kids love. You saute garlic and you can put pine nuts and I put spinach and sometimes some red pepper flakes and you just cook pasta and then mix it up in that uh, sauteed mixture. And some other dishes. But honestly, I know I'm going to get my Italian card taken away from me, but I don't really eat a lot of pasta anymore. My kids are older. My daughter's at college now and my younger daughter's a freshman in high school. It's just different now cooking, you know, but definitely when they were kids, I made a lot more traditional Italian dishes. Mm -hmm. They love pasta and red sauces and garlic. You know, they've been eating garlic since they we're eating from the table. And that's, I think, another thing I may be generalizing. I don't know what your experience is, but as soon as my kids could eat table food, they were eating exactly what we were eating. They were eating the garlic and the spices and everything. I think a lot of people always are taken aback that I'm not feeding them plain food, but it's just the way I was raised. We ate what my parents ate. We didn't get a separate
0: meal. Right. I don't know what you're... It's the same with my kids, too. I think because of that, our kids have very sophisticated palates. Um, yes. They're used to eating very high-quality food. And we'll mm-hmm. go to a restaurant, and they're like, this tastes like factory food. You know, yes like,
1: and then they don't want to order from the kids menu which no they I don't blame that. them
0: and they're like <laughs> that's oh, terrible oh yeah there's when it comes to like macaroni and cheese or chicken or even even burgers and i think it's a good thing because we're teaching them how to eat properly but yeah eat real food when my kids were young and their friends would come over to eat
1: i think they liked it but they were always surprised and this is not a knock on other parents i know Everybody has their circumstances. I stayed home with my kids. I wasn't working outside the home. So I had more time to prepare meals and things, but they would go to their friends and they'd get pizza or chicken nuggets or macaroni and cheese. Nothing against that food, but, um, and they wouldn't eat with the kid family, with the parents. And when my kids had friends come over, we would all eat together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Speaking of like going out to restaurants, so this, always made me laugh just thinking about what people give their kids when they're little and they think that they should eat this bland nothing food but my husband and I love Thai food and we were in a Thai restaurant and she was eating the food with us and I don't remember it was a woman or a gentleman came over and they're like wow she's so little to be eating Thai food and my husband looked at the person and said there's a whole country of children babies eating
0: what a great response.
2: Yeah. It's, it's just, so it, true.
0: you know, it's like, yeah. where did we get this myth in this country that, like, they have to eat macaroni and cheese and chicken fingers? Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. And really nothing wrong
1: with that if that's what you want to eat sometimes. But I think it's really wonderful to expose, like you said, children to a variety of foods and spices. Mm-hmm. You might still have a picky eater, but if you expose them to a lot, I think it's going to be a lot less
0: likely that they're they're picky. Yeah. I grew up eating whatever my parents ate. I never got mm-hmm. like a special meal or anything. No, forget it. The interesting thing for me is Cuban food is not spicy. So I didn't really even kind of understand spicy until I was in college. It's almost like I had a kind of a broad palate because I had been eating Cuban food all my life, but... It's almost like I'd only been eating food all my life. Right.
1: It's amazing what you can become accustomed to. The food that my mom cooked was not spicy. There are some dishes, Italian dishes, that are spicy, and I like them, but she didn't cook any of that Um, generally. I can't even really remember of a spicy dish that she would have cooked. Yeah. But growing up, uh, my best friend's family was from Trinidad, and um, they had a ton of spicy food. So... I got to eat that Caribbean Indian when middle school and high school opened up my palate.
0: I wonder what role Italian music played in Maria's life growing up.
1: My mother really liked music, and I remember when she would cook and when she would be cleaning and stuff. She would sing a lot, especially when I was younger. They didn't really listen to music. She would
0: sing. What (laughs) what would she sing? What were some of those songs? I know this is
1: going to sound weird. She would sing operatic, and I really had a great appreciation for opera when I, was in, when I was younger, and I actually took a course in high school, and we studied opera, and I really, really enjoyed it. She would sing, oh, what's the opera Figaro is from?
0: is the, the the wedding of Figaro? Figaro?
1: Yeah, maybe. And I don't remember the other ones. So I would say more operatic music. That when I listen to it, it actually makes me extremely emotional. I feel very emotional when I listen to opera.
0: How? Like you just feel like connected?
1: Yeah, not like a sadness. Not like I want to cry, but just almost like my heart opens. It's just this connection. It moves me. Maybe because I would hear her singing. I, I'm not sure why. Um, But so, yeah, and it's kind of weird. I never really thought about that.
0: That's cool. Yeah, I'm going to have to listen to that this afternoon. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't listened to opera in a while. (laughs) I have a feeling you will today. (laughs) Yes. So tell me a little bit about your career. Oh, sure.
1: I did get a a bachelor's of science in biology with an emphasis in genetics. I worked as a molecular biologist for close to 12 years. Once I had my kids, I decided that I was going to stay home full-time with my kids and my parents. I hate to say I was a stay-at-home mom and daughter. More recently, I've gotten into health coaching, so that's on the horizon for me now.
0: If you had the ability to go back in time, say you had a time machine, and talk to your younger self, what would you tell her and when?
1: Ah, that's a hard one. I would tell her to really try to understand who you are authentically and follow that path. Learn what you love and what inspires you and do that. I love science. I will always love science. And I enjoyed being a research assistant, but that probably wasn't my right path. But then I guess those experiences you have also are part of your experiences so that you can find what you love, or maybe what you love when you're younger is not what you're going to love when you're older. So just being true to yourself, follow your authentic path. What, what brings you passion? What brings you joy? What, what are you excited to get up to do every morning? So that's what I would tell myself. Originally, when I went to the university, I was thinking I would go to med school, but I decided that's not really what I wanted. And so I kind of fell into that path of, okay, well, I'm going to be going to the lab. But I didn't really investigate. I didn't really see what else was out there. So I feel like I just followed along. I wasn't really navigating my own course. I just was going with the flow of what came
0: next. What else do you want to share with respect to your upbringing, your cultural perspective or lens on life?
1: Yeah, that's
0: that's a big question too. Yeah, it's a lot oh. to unpack. I'm trying to tease out what's different about people like us and are we really even that different? It's a really open-ended question because I don't really know the answer.
1: Well, I think we're all the same and all different no matter where you're from. My parents navigate life in a different country where mm, the family was in Italy, just an aunt, uncle, and three cousins here. Um, I have great respect for what my parents went through immigrating to the U.S. and the struggles that they came up against and just the work ethic that my dad and my mom together just supporting and providing for us, and my father doing whatever he needed to do. When we first moved to Maryland, I was two and a half or three, and uh, he worked every day. I'm sure there are plenty of people who are not immigrants that work every day, but just struggling to find a way, learn the language, try to become part of society, It was a lot. It's not a small undertaking. And doing, trying to do your best, do well in school. um, I think that was, that was always evident to me. My parents, whether right or wrong, said that they, for all intents and purposes, gave up their lives in Italy so that we could have a better life here. And I think that it's probably true that a lot of opportunities that we had here, I don't know that we would have necessarily had in Italy. Especially for my mom, I don't think she really wanted to come to the US. My father worked in manual labor most of his life, all of his life probably. And we lived in the Campania region in Italy. And at that time it was hard to find jobs. My mom wanted to go to northern Italy. There were more opportunities, but my father really wanted to come here. So I think she did give up a lot to come here, pretty much her whole family. So I don't take that lightly. Um,
0: Yeah. I have a similar respect for the transition that my parents took. They made a lot of sacrifices for their children, and... That's yeah. something that I see in a lot of these immigrant families. It's hard. You don't know the language. You don't know the culture. You don't know the ins and outs. There's lots of mistakes that you make along the way. And I think for those of us who see that in our parents, I don't want to speak for everybody. I can certainly speak for myself. I had such a an awe, a respect for going out into the unknown. And yeah, it really inspired me. And I thought, no matter what is going on in my life, it's not that hard, right? Yeah. When I was younger, like in my college years, I did study abroad and I pushed myself in my travels to try to relive and try to connect with that experience that my parents went through. I'll share a story with you I was in Bulgaria. And I was traveling through and I ended up missing a train connection in some little town somewhere. It was probably a Sunday in the middle of winter. The only thing that was open to anything was the restaurant in the actual train station. And the train station Mm -hmm. was basically one one One, building. Yeah, (laughs) right, right. They didn't speak any language that I spoke. The menu was in a different alphabet. I couldn't communicate. And on top of that, I didn't have the local currency. This was before the EU. I didn't have any local Bulgarian money. And I remember looking at the waiter, took the money that I had in my pocket, which was probably only a few dollars, and kind of held it to him and pointed to the menu. And he fished through the coins and took a couple coins. He walked away. So I'm like, well, I hope I get something because, you know,
1: <laughs> I hope he doesn't think this
0: is a tip. <laughs> I know. So by then I hadn't eaten in like a day and a half because oh. I was on the, tra- riding the trains and it's very
1: challenging situation. Yeah.
0: And, and I remember going like, this is, this is real. This yeah. is what it felt like for my parents. Then the waiter comes back with a small plate of chopped onions and black olives. <laughs> And and you'll take it. Point, yeah, I didn't really like olives at the time, and I just remember being so grateful. I remember yeah. you know, being aware of the notion of like, well, crap, is that all I got? And that just completely left my mind, and it got replaced with this gratitude. Yeah, that I had something to eat. That that someone took pity on me and took whatever money that he may not have even. Been able to use and mm-hmm. brought me this. Food. I ate every sliver of raw onion, every black olive, <laughs> down to the pit, and I just sat there for a little while because I had time to burn, waiting for this train to come. And then the waiter comes back with this huge bowl of stew. Oh wow! He puts it down. In, generosity, yeah, yeah, and he puts it down on the table. And he looks at the empty plate full of olive pits. He looks at me and. And then he looks at the plate and he just (laughs) took the plate away. At that point, I just started laughing like that was just the condiment, you know. I haven't really experienced anything probably similar
1: to what you experienced or what my in that situation or what my parents experienced. I mean, I've been to foreign countries where like. You know, I went to France with my husband and my daughters when they were really young. We stayed with some friends and we would go out on our own. And I knew some words in French could order in French and that was about it. It's interesting to see there are people who can be very generous of heart and see that you're struggling. And then there are people who just don't have the time for you. I do remember my parents speaking so fondly and kindly of people who would help them, even in small ways, because it fosters a sense of community. And I think, honestly, that's what my parents were missing a lot. When the family did live nearby, we would get together and spend time together. But my uncle was in the military, so they moved around a lot. So there were a lot of long periods of time where my parents didn't know anybody, maybe the neighbors, but, and they definitely didn't know anybody that was from Italy, very few Italians where we lived. So I think they missed that sense of community when people were kind and would help you out or do things. I think that really engendered that sense for them.
0: So <laughs> they really, really appreciated it, no matter how big or small. As we wrap up, is there anything else that's coming to mind that you wanted to share
1: I don't think so.
0: <laughs> I didn't think we'd be able to speak this long about it. This has been a great conversation. And I just want to thank you for taking the time to share.
1: Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice for me too, to go back and think about. It. It's not something, you know, that comes to my mind too often.
0: I just want to acknowledge it. That's why I'm doing this podcast. This is a part of me and my experience. And what I'm finding, kind of like you said, you've got all these friends that are also immigrants or children of immigrants and they have this experience and I feel like maybe we don't even talk about it it's just kind of normal to us what I'm learning in this podcast as I interview people is that there's a lot of similarities regardless yeah. of country of origin so thank that you. experience yeah 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 of thank course you. Oh, no, you're welcome. As we ended our conversation, I took away a sense of respect for the sacrifices that Maria's parents made for their children. I felt a deeper connection to my parents for having gone through a similar journey, and I ended up with a craving to listen to some Italian opera. Please visit www.immigrantsjourneys.fm to learn more about this podcast. After our conversation, I listened to some Italian opera. I found a beautiful song in La Traviata by Verdi. The song is called Liviamo nei lieti calici. Loosely translated, the title means toast, let's drink from the joyous chalices. There's a reference to the joy in love and that it's like a flower that blooms and dies no longer to be enjoyed. To me, this live in the moment feeling captures the spirit of Maria's mom singing opera in the kitchen while cooking, yelling for Maria from the balcony and even feeding Thai food to Maria's children. It reminds me to enjoy the flowers while they're still blooming. I'm not sure if Maria's mom was singing this particular song while she cooked, but I can envision her singing something similar. This is your host, Santiago. I'll leave you with some Italian opera, La Traviata, from Verdi. Ciao.